Hello and welcome to Sound Strategic, the podcast of the International Institute for Strategic Studies. I'm Maya Nowens. Today we're returning to our coverage of the strategic, political, and economic implications of COVID-19 around the world with a focus on Brazil. And it's my real pleasure to discuss this topic with my fellow Sound Strategic co-host, Mr. Antonio Sampao. Antonio is the IISS Research Fellow for Conflict, Security, and Development. And at the IISS, Antonio examines in particular the effects of armed conflict and organized crime in urban centers, as well as the wider security and political developments in Latin America. Antonio, welcome. Hello. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So for our listeners who haven't followed the pandemic um, very closely in Brazil, could you please give us uh, an update to the current situation in Brazil related to COVID for some general context? Sure. Um, I think a lot of people have uh, heard in the news, uh, wherever they are actually in the world, um, about Brazil's situation in the coronavirus because it has been so um, intertwined with the political crisis and the um, unorthodox, to put it mildly, positions of the uh, current president. But we'll, we'll get to that later. But uh, right now, uh, Brazil, um, on um, a few days ago, as we record this podcast, uh, surpassed the 100,000 mark of uh, cases um, of coronavirus. And the pandemic or the, the, the virus which caused its first death in Brazil on the 17th of March um, now in early May already has caused uh, over 7,000 deaths in Brazil. Um, so the, the virus has spread extremely quickly and the health system in Brazil, which is not among the worst in the world, but is also um, not um, at the same level as, uh, of course, developed countries, uh, the health system is uh, undergoing some pretty severe strain. So there are indications and, and, and numbers collected by several news and research organizations showing that the intensive care units are um, are lacking, that uh, over 90% of uh, posts in the uh, intensive care units have been already occupied um, in some of the major states like Rio de Janeiro, Pernambuco. Um, and in fact, in Rio de Janeiro, which is um, one of the wealthiest in the, countries, uh, in the country, um, there are already hospitals in which people have to wait in a queue to go to the intensive care to show you how how the public health system in Brazil is 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 uh, suffering under this uh, under this crisis. Right. I mean, we've seen that across the world, hospitals and medical staff have um, struggled in rural and urban centers to respond to um, high numbers of patients admitted for for care. And we've seen um, in certain urban centers um, the construction of emergency medical centers, uh, the sourcing of large quantities of extra medical and PPE supplies from within the country, but also abroad very quickly. I mean, it doesn't seem the picture that you're painting doesn't seem like it's it's going much better in Brazil. And I wonder as well in Brazil, what's the difference that you see in um, in the public health care system um, between the rural and urban centers? Is there a stark difference? How is either coping? So Brazil is a highly urbanized uh, country over um, something like approximately 80% of the population lives in cities. So um, the in recent days, there has been a very rapid spread of the virus, at least as far as um, 
public notifications or uh, media attention goes um, in the states further away from the southeast, uh, Rio and Sao Paulo, which are the most affluent and also where um, international more more well connected to the world through trade, through tourism. Um, so actually, the um, the north of Brazil, states of Amazonas, um, Ceará, Pernambuco, the north and northeast of Brazil are being quite severely affected. So an example of that is, again, something that some of our listeners might have seen in the news, um, those pictures of a graveyard in Brazil where they ran out of space for bodies and they started digging uh, away from the, the cemetery. Um, a sort of improvised graveyard for victims of coronavirus that was in the city of Manaus, which is the capital of Amazonas state, um, which is a very sparsely populated state, although Manaus is um, a relatively um, medium to large sized city. Um, and similar situations in terms of lack of space to bury the dead is already appearing in some other uh, places of north and northeastern Brazil. Uh, there are also some scenes shown in Brazilian media of chaos in um, people protesting and trying to forcefully enter uh, hospitals. Um, demanding to, to receive treatment, whereas the, the hospitals are, are blocking entry for most people because they are simply overwhelmed and out of capacity. So the signals are emerging that the public health system is really um, collapsing and that despite the, the social distancing measures that are being respected more or less in Brazil, that even some public rioting is already occurring in front of hospitals due to, to this lack of public services. Moving on to um, how the government of Brazil, and in particular Brazil's president, Jair Bolsonaro, has been handling the outbreak. I believe the president has ignored calls from his former health minister and other sectors in society to impose effective social dis distancing measures in Brazil, though, as you mentioned, there are some in place already. And instead, it seems that the president has attended protests and rallies across the country, called COVID-19 a hysteria, and also made some stark comments about the current situation in Brazil related to the pandemic. Um, for example, um, when asked about the rising death toll uh, at the end of April, um, he reportedly declared, so what? So how have Bolsonaro's public comments about the need to relax social distancing measures affected Brazilians? So um, this is uh, uh, quite a, um, uh, an important issue and one that is causing concern among uh, several politicians, state governors, the media, that Bolsonaro's comments um, undermining the calls for social distancing and quarantine, uh, that his comments are actually causing people to take the disease less seriously. So there are indications um, that social distancing is uh, declining in terms of its adoption by the population. Um, so some figures from some states, including Sao Paulo, the largest, most populous and richest uh, state in Brazil, is um, has been gradually uh, going down, not severely down, but but uh, going down nonetheless. Um, and also uh, a recent poll by Datafolia, which is a polling company in Brazil, showed that support for the social distancing measures is gradually reducing as well. Um, and, and on top of that, Bolsonaro's uh, response and rhetoric over the crisis, I think rhetoric is a, is a more appropriate word because um, 
his government has not really taken a very um, important lead in the response. Uh, actually, a lot of the social distancing measures um, and and comments to to take the, the disease seriously and uh, the handling of day-to-day healthcare is being uh, taken by state governors. So Brazil is a federation, so the state gov- governments have quite a lot of power, but the government is not re- really doing a lot to coordinate these efforts and increase the capacity of intensive care and all the other health infrastructure that, that is needed. But there is concern that his comments are behind this reduction of... Um, of, of, of social distancing and uh, among some of his more more core uh, constituencies which have this sort of far-right um, uh, public order speech of let's uh, patriotic speech of let's not believe the media let's uh, let's everybody else is wrong and we are we know what's better for the country uh, they are quite publicly challenging and, and protesting on the streets uh, against social distancing measures. Um, and and it's, uh, it's, it's a cause of concern, definitely. We've seen in other countries as well that there's almost um, a, not a conflict, but a, a divergence of responses between different levels of government. And it seems what you're saying here as well is that uh, the federal level, so the state level, um, has a different view to this than, than the president. How is this playing out politically within the government? So a few governments, a few, a few state governments, including Rio de Janeiro, uh, are considering lockdown measures, uh, which at least in some areas of those states, not the entire, uh, the entire geographical area, area of the states, but uh, this shows that they are on the exact opposite spectrum of the, um, of the response to the coronavirus and trying to um, correct or to to make adjustments through these public policies to the um, this perception that the the virus is not serious that uh, social distancing is an, is an exaggeration. Um, so some of them are considering forcefully locking down some areas similar to measures that were introduced uh, in Italy. Uh, that's something that the state governments can do because they they have uh, the authority over um, a lot of measures related to health and even public security in Brazil. Um, and and the the political um, tension is playing out on the national government in Brasilia um, in terms of um, how Bolsonaro is behaving uh, sometimes in opposition to his own government. Uh, So he fired um, in April uh, Health Minister Luis Mandetta, who was taking a very public and very forceful, very uh, firm uh, approach against the coronavirus, um, recommending social distancing, recommending quarantine, and um, warning about the potential collapse of the Brazilian health system, health, you know, um, uh, infrastructure due to the coronavirus. And um, it was he publicly spoke, Bolsonaro publicly spoke against Mandetta a few times before finally firing him um, due to disagreements, citing disagreements in how to handle the the, the coronavirus specifically because Bolsonaro prioritizes uh, the economy and says that the shutdown of the economy actually causes more harm than than the actual virus, which a lot of people 
uh, among his core supporters um, um, agree with. But of, of course, this has caused tremendous concern among governors, state governors, the media uh, experts, health experts. Um, and the current health minister seems to have a much more flexible approach and uh, much less, perhaps more, perhaps more importantly, a much less um, serious and much less firm position in terms of warning uh, and coordinating the responses in the state. So really the, 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 the best cases, the best examples in Brazil are, being, um, are, be, are coming out of the local and state level. So for instance, Ceará State, which is a state in the, south, in the northeast of Brazil, has actually increased its capacity for intensive care quite steeply in the, in the last few weeks due to implementing uh, what they call hospital de campanha. So it's uh, improvised hospitals, which is perhaps a more improvised format of the Chinese uh, sort of pop-up hospital that they built in a few days a week. Um, it's not exactly a building, but it's a, it's a space where um, they can have, um, that is more quickly built, where they can have some intensive care units. So that's a positive example that came out of a state government, but the federal government is really lacking this in this response. That's interesting. I want to get back to um, perhaps the, the more rural, urban, um, and um, aspect of, of responses to the pandemic in a second, but before doing so, um, could you perhaps speak a little bit to how the opposition is reacting to Bolsonaro's uh, rhetoric, as you say, um, and the current instability in the government? Yeah, the, that's an interesting question, because if, if in any uh, occasion or any crisis, um, and there have been quite a few since Bolsonaro um, assumed power, um, the opposition would be quite um, um, quite forceful and quite um, visible would be now. However, um, this comes in an interesting time for Brazilian politics in which Bolsonaro has um, advised by some of his aides has come to the conclusion that his uh, populist approach has to be tempered with some negotiations in Congress. So he came to to government with this uh, discourse of anti-corruption, of uh, eliminating and killing off the old ways of politics in which um, uh, jobs in government and um, um, bills in Congress would be negotiated in exchange for, for ministries and jobs and all this uh, um, Give and take politics that were uh, that was taking place in the federal government. So he said, "We're going to uh, eliminate this." However, now he is in negotiations with a block of parties called the Centrão, the Big Center, uh, which are in the Brazilian presidentialist system. There, ha there are so many parties. There are over twenty parties, and many of them don't really represent anything very clearly politically or ideologically. So they are just there to negotiate jobs. And Bolsonaro right now is negotiating with them. So this has reduced a bit his uh, political position in Congress. But uh, so, so the most the most voiceful opposition to him is coming from the media, is coming from the experts, um, and um, and also from some of his former uh, ministers, such as uh, Luis Mandetta, the former health minister, who is publicly saying that the, the health system is about to collapse, and um, and very uh, strong measures have to be taken. Um, so, so. so he, the president has also encountered a lot of criticism for attending some 
protests in Brasilia, um, which ironically seem to be protests against some of the elements in his own government, so against the social distancing measures, um, and also in one of the protests, there was a, a part of the people attending the protest were calling for um, military intervention, so the, for the military to take over, which of course uh, bring some uneasy um, reminders of the military regime that ruled Brazil between the 1960s and the mid-1980s. Um, so this is, this is, and Bolsonaro took part in that protest and spoke during that protest, um, um, and which has, um, of course, understandably um, attracted quite a lot of criticism towards him from Congress, from the media, and from experts. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned the um, anti-corruption element of um, his current government. Um, I, I note that his uh, justice and public security minister, Sergio Moro, uh, resigned on the 24th of April, um, which was because of accusations um, towards the president of attempting to interfere in federal police investigations. Um, do you think this has caused any further instability? Oh yes, this is. I think with this crisis, um, uh, which erupted with the um, resignation of Justice and Public Security Minister Sergio Moro, uh, really Bolsonaro is now facing the biggest crisis in his um, um, in his. Uh, uh, job as a president so far. And there, as I said, there have been quite a few uh, crises. Um, so the while resigning, the, the form, now former minister, Sergio Moro, um, he resigned because uh, of uh, um, Bolsonaro fired the head of the federal police without telling him and actually using Sergio Moro's electronic signature in the order, um, which um, understandably caused Moro to, to resign. Um, and Bolsonaro, with that, loses one of his most popular and influential ministers. Sergio Moro was a judge um, in, in, in the south of Brazil that was ahead of the court that judged most of the cases related to the car wash anti-corruption investigation. So he was the one that um, first gave a guilty sentence to former president Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva of the Workers' Party. Uh, former President Lula, um, and among many other politicians that were sent to uh, were, were sent to jail by by Moro. So he resigned due to due to this uh, problem with the federal police. And during his um, speech while leaving the ministry, he said he made some pretty serious accusations that Bolsonaro was firing the federal um, police chief due to attempts to interfere. Bolsonaro was attempting to interfere with uh, some investigations that relates to one of his sons in Rio de Janeiro. So these are pretty serious accusations and a lot of people in, in, um, in the Brazilian uh, political uh, and um, ex expert communities are speculating that this in itself is an impeachable crime. Uh, and Brazil, of course, is quite fond of impeachment processes, having um, just impeached the former president um, um, 
former elected president uh, Dilma Rousseff of the Workers' Party and also um, another president early in the 1990s, Fernando Collor. So uh, this is causing quite a lot of uh, speculation that Bolsonaro might not actually finish his mandate, which is ironic since he came to power out of the political crisis and fragmentation of the political system caused by the impeachment of uh, Workers' Party President um, Dilma Rousseff. Um, so, so quite a tumultuous time in Brazilian politics. Indeed. And what is his popularity rating like at the moment? So he has a core um, base of supporters um, among those that believe that um, anything is preferable to the Workers' Party and also to um, a, by a, a, a sector of the population that um, believes that the anti-corruption uh, flag that he he was uh, waving at the during the the, the presidential uh, campaign and at the beginning of his mandate were the, the 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 biggest priorities for Brazil. So there are two core, uh, let's say, sectors of his support base. One that believes that uh, the Workers Party that governed Brazil for 13 years, first with Lula, then with Dilma Rousseff. Uh, was at the center of, of the econ massive economic crisis that took place in the early 2010s in Brazil after the economic boom uh, that we saw in the late 2000s uh, and also the corruption uh, scandals involving um, uh, siphoning money from the oil giant Petrobras, um, corrupt um, contracts with uh, construction companies in, in public infrastructure projects. So all these uh, economic and corruption uh, problems were, uh, in the view of these um, Bolsonaro supporters, um, ha caused by the, the Workers' Party and had to be eliminated by, by electing a radical right-wing figure such as Bolsonaro. But I think a lot of... Um, uh, the other sector of the population that believed that, um, that, that voted for him, I mean, um, that believed that he was the, the remedy against corruption and the remedy against the alleged um, chaos caused by the Workers' Party are now uh, having second thoughts. So we haven't seen yet how, this, um, how his popularity took a hit from the, um, the, the recent comments and, and crisis of the recent days, but I, 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 I believe that he will lose um, at least some support with, with those um, problems. Right, and maybe returning back to the, the point of who has stepped in if, if in the government, the central government's absence um, in responding to uh, the pandemic in Brazil. Um, we've spoken about this before, Antonio, uh, the situation in the favelas, uh, the slums in, in Rio de Janeiro um, in particular. Um, who Have we seen non-state actors, um, non-government officials step up and take a, take a particular role in addressing certain needs or enforcing certain restrictions uh, on the general public? Yeah, this uh, information or this evidence is coming particularly from Rio de Janeiro, the city of Rio, where um, gangs, criminal gangs, have a more direct and more visible territorial control. Uh, and have had for quite quite a while, possibly uh, decades, um, and there there have been uh, recordings and uh, even published on on YouTube 
of uh, some criminal gang leaders um, ordering the community to um, enforce a curfew so uh, they can go out during certain times of the day but not um, not in others there are also um, th th there are also some 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 cases of uh, criminal gangs um, known to fabricate their own hand sanitizers using alcohol and some other chemicals that actually uh, some of them use for the um, the processing of cocaine um, and um, I'm not sure if those uh, hand sanitizers actually work, but uh, here's to hoping. Um, so the, the criminal gangs in Rio have stepped in in a limited fashion to uh, enforce actually a more, uh, let's say, scientifically based uh, social distancing uh, than the, the, the ones that Bolsonaro are, uh, is supporting. So there has been some, some measures there, but not in the... I haven't seen anything to the same extent as, um, for instance, some gangs in Cape Town in South Africa have been known to, to be doing recent days and weeks of um, providing food uh, and other supplies to affected families. Um, it, it is possible that it's happening. I just don't, don't know um, of any uh, visible cases, but they have been enforcing some, some measures. The, the, the issue with non-state actors and criminal gangs is um, in the my main concern is in the weeks to come and months to come when um, the the government will have to um, either the state government or the federal government will have to introduce some policies to stimulate the economy to uh, improve the health care and these actors these non-state actors actually control spaces and even though they allow and they uh, tolerate the presence of some state services uh, for instance if the state service uh, agencies for uh, education or, or some other um, element wants to, to enter they, they sometimes let it or tolerate it but they have some control over over those spaces as well and that worries me um, the other interesting thing to watch the next weeks and months to come is how violence will will play out because um, these gangs uh, and other evidence that is coming out not only in Brazil but in other countries is that drug sales are probably down uh, due to the fact that less people can go out to the streets and go to those communities and actually less people might want to go to those communities to face-to-face um, -to -face interaction for the buying of drugs. So they might be taking a hit on that which might not bode well for the communities where they live because extortion and other types of crime might go up to try to compensate for that. So how do you think this will affect the strengths of non-state actors and, and armed groups in uh, in favelas or, or across major urban areas in, in Brazil? Will this, will this strengthen their ability to control um, or will COVID, um, do you think, over time uh, weaken their, their relative strength? So I think it depends on how um, civil society in the slums, in the favelas, uh, not only in Rio, but in other places as well, um, how well equipped they are to deal with the crisis. So some communities um, in Rio, for instance, the Mare Islam, which is a very one of the largest in Rio with over oh, approximately 100,000 uh, inhabitants, um, is actually uh, some of these communities have very vibrant civil society organizations, non-governmental organizations, um, uh, foundations where 
uh, the local dwellers can go and ask for help with um, health issues or being uh, advised on some legal matters or business, businesses can go and get some advice and information. So the community has a resilience to some. And some of these, these organizations are actually uh, in recent weeks have been uh, mobilizing and organizing their own responses, distributing food, distributing um, supplies, uh, and that is a source of community resilience. And maybe because of that, we haven't seen a lot of evidence of gangs um, stepping in to provide those things. Um, although, again, that that is possible. Um, that, that 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 might be happening. Um, so, so in communities where this sort of civil society vibrancy is not as strong. Uh, I think there is a potential for criminal organizations to um, gain some strength and um, be become more important for the lives of, of, of the local community uh, because they are the ones that allow services and allow things from the outside to go in. So the borders of the slums are actually very dangerous areas where outsiders, they cannot go in very easily. It's not a light decision to go into Islam. So some of these services, supplies, um, perhaps healthcare facilities um, can can be affected if they if they need to go into the slums to, to check on on on, on inhabitants. Uh, and I think economically the, um, the 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 economic hit to Brazil would be would be huge. Um, in the slums there there are a lot of informal workers so it's not only informal housing in terms that they, of them not having um, legal possession of their, their, their houses, uh, but also um, not having regular contractual social security based sort of employment. So uh, they depend on uh, informal selling um, of various things on the streets or uh, employment as, 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 as cleaners or many other kinds of, of informal employment that tend to be common among, among favela residents. And um, these people economically will suffer, which might provide, for instance, um, more ammunition in terms of um, recruitment uh, opportunities and pressure to join gangs uh, from these communities. Uh, economic deprivation is never a, um, a good thing for for the fight against crime, and Rio certainly doesn't uh, doesn't need any 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 other um, uh, problems with that. Um, and furthermore, overall in Brazil, the um, I think Brazil was already struggling in macroeconomic terms in terms of. Um, um, cutting costs of the, the national government, uh, reducing investment because of um, um, debt, and um, and the coronavirus with the uh, slowdown of the economy, which uh, is forecast to be around 5% this year, I think that's actually quite optimistic, will certainly reduce the capacity of the government, the central government and the state, the state governments to implement policies and securities are very expensive area of public policy because it requires a lot of training and human resources. So in terms of security, that will, um, that will certainly affect Brazil uh, negatively. Right. I think um, the, the FT reported that the economy ministry um, last month cut its forecast um, of growth in GDP this year for Brazil from 2.1% to zero. So um, so I think you're absolutely right to say that um, the economic outlook for the country is, is, is dire. Um, and I believe that foreign investors have also been um, pulling out of, uh, of their invest existing exa 
their existing investments in the country. Um, so so not a not a positive prospect. But to not end this on an absolutely depressing and negative outlook, what is one positive outlook that you see? You mentioned the role of civil society, that civil society could play a, a more prominent role uh, in the weeks and months going ahead. Um, can you leave us on another positive note, perhaps? Well, um, it, it, it depends on how, um, how you see the, the likelihood of political change in the future in Brazil, because I think um, politically it has been quite uh, a dire uh, situation, as I believe this, this, uh, this conversation has shown in terms of a president that is detached from his, um, some of the, 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 uh, his own ministers and also state governments and other uh, leaders in Brazil in terms of responding to the virus, actually saying, so what? in one of the interviews he gave uh, when he was asked about the rising death toll in Brazil for coronavirus. And he said, there's nothing I can do, so what? His position is, some people in Brazil will die, some people will die out, out of this coronavirus. And this is not due to public policy, this is due to, to the virus and we should reopen the economy and all of that. But the numbers from the public health system show uh, quite a dire situation. So one, one possible, um, light at the end of the tunnel, let's put it this way, is that the um, some of his um, base of support that he's now trying to build in Congress uh, and some of his core uh, advisors, who are, by the way, from the armed forces, so he has quite a lot of army officers and, and former retired army officers in his cabinet, might start pressuring him uh, and he might see that a more pragmatic approach is is is, is the way to go. Uh, another another uh, relative positive side or, or or more positive aspect of the responses is, as I said, the role of state governments that have shown more leadership in implementing social distancing measures measures um, and the fact that sometimes local and regional uh, governments have a more um, a, a, a closer, a more humane connection to the needs of their, their populations and therefore they uh, bypass or attempt to bypass the political conundrums that, um, that involve the federal government in Brazil and actually implement, like I said, um, improvised hospitals and um, sort of relatively low-cost measures to increase the capacity of emergency care uh, in some cities. However, we should not let that give us too much hope because uh, in the end it is really um, it is really the role of governments to increase the infrastructure and, and, and health systems. Um, and Brazil has so far lacked and been slow in that reply and in that response uh, and it needs to, to catch up very quickly. The signs are clear that the public health system is near or already at uh, collapse levels and um, state governments and local governments, they can do something, but they cannot uh, fully uh, fight this coronavirus crisis. Um, and that is something that um, policymakers um, need to be aware of. And a lot of them are already, and hopefully they will pressure the president to do more on that. 
Well, thank you very much, Antonio, for that eye-opening discussion on the current situation in Brazil and what you expect to happen next, and particularly this, the discussions about the urban challenges in particular um, that uh, we're seeing in places like Rio de Janeiro. And thank you for listening as well. Please subscribe to Sound Strategic for more in-depth discussions like this. And to keep up to date with the latest trends in international security and armed conflicts, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. See you next time.